Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Podcast nine and three quarters topic of the week is how does a lawful magical society function? Hey there listeners, I'm Jem. And I'm Rhea, and this might be the first episode where we're not talking about a chaotic magical society, which is how we usually approach Harry Potter. (laughs) This may be the episode I've probably dreaded for five years. Yeah, (laughs) I was going to say, so we realized, because I've been listening back to our old episodes, we realized incredibly early that we needed to address the legal system and like how a lawful magical society functions way 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 early in our run like we realized that a couple of episodes in like we need to talk about this because it straight up doesn't make sense and then we didn't do that Mm -hmm. for five years we just avoided it because it was too Mm -hmm. hard and we didn't want to talk about it yeah neither of us are law people legal people we Mm -hmm. don't really know a lot of the terminology um it doesn't make any sense (laughs) (laughs) so i was dreading it yeah um but I think, like, I'm going to gaslight myself. We're going to have a fun time. Um, <laughs> I think there's a lot to talk fine. about. Like, we're going to have a lot to say. Yeah. Okay. I have some notes on what makes up a lawful or just society to begin with, if we can, like, define that or get an idea of that in our heads before we start talking about the magical world. That would be great, because I straight up could not even get a definition of what a lawful society is. Like, Google didn't understand what I was trying to ask. I'm like, lawful society magic? And it's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I had to look up just society instead of lawful society to get a better idea of what I was thinking of. So, Mm -hmm. um, first of all, this has been a subject of scholarly debate for many years, dating back to ancient civilizations. So, like, you know... Fucking Socrates is probably talking about this. But that's okay. We're um, going to solve it right here, right now. Podcast Magic. <laughs> right here. <laughs> exactly. So it's also important to remember that there are many ways we can understand what is just and lawful. Mm-hmm. For our own country's cultural context, Australia now lives under a democratic society evolved from the Westminster system from the UK. Mm-hmm. But for thousands of years, the First Nations peoples and cultures in this land had their own justices and laws, which people lived and still live by today. Yeah. So I think it's important to recognize that um, as we go forward to define what a lawful society is in the first place, the cultural context we will be coming from as hosts is will be inevitably shaped by our own context as Australians and from how a lawful society is defined in the context of the United Kingdom, where the books are set, mm-hmm. and undoubtedly the context the HP series is modeled after by Rowling. Yeah. So I had a look at how it's defined in a UK context. <laughs> so that let sent me down a rabbit hole about the constitution and I was like, oh God, I don't have enough <laughs> legal legal knowledge to understand this. But here's the basic idea of what I got. So 
The UK Constitution is the document which dictates what a UK lawful society has. Is and it has four different principles. Mm, okay, this is really helpful so, so far. I have nothing like this. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually how I defined my research. Oh, well I went through these principles and I went, okay, so how does it work in a magical context to see if it, if it's up to scratch, basically? <laughs> so the first principle is called parliamentary sovereignty, which means that the acts of parliament are the supreme source of the law. Okay, so it also it also talks about common law here, which broadly means. That when cases and people are brought before the law, the facts are considered first, and then the decisions are made based on precedent. So precedent is um, rules and ways of practice that have already been decided based on previous criminal and civil cases that have been brought before the law in the mm-hmm. past. Um, so if necessary, new precedent can be made in respect to the rule of law and democratic values. So that's parliamentary sovereignty. Okay, that lines up with the state my- makes the rules. Yeah, <laughs> that lines up with my understanding of how laws are made. Which is that there's yeah. two ways, either the government makes a law and they have to vote on it and all agree, or mostly agree, mm-hmm. or two, the court makes a law, which is a specific case Case is brought to the court, the judge makes a ruling, and then that ruling becomes a precedent. Becomes a precedent. And then yeah. further rulings have to be based on that precedent. Yes. Or yes. should be based on the precedent. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. I'm just going back to like year eight legal studies, like, ah, oh, jurisprudence, uh, precedent. <laughs> like yeah. trying to remember what these words are. I'm, I'm literally <laughs> okay. calling from what I learned in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that's Number correct. two, we have... <laughs> Number two of these principles, we have the rule of law, which is no one is above the law. The law is clear and predictable and not subject to broad or unreasonable discretion. It applies mm-hmm. equally to all people, upholds speedy and fair procedures for enforcement, upholds human rights, and works according to international law. Okay. I would okay. say that's great in theory. I'm not sure that that is true in practice, either in Harry Potter or in the real world. <laughs> yeah, look, that's that's something we'd all love to have, right? Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> Number <Perfect>. three. <laughs> Number three, we have democracy. Leaders are elected and power is exerted by the many rather than the few. Mm -hmm. Human rights are upheld and parliamentary sovereignty is respected. Mm -hmm. Usually also in a democracy, there's also an understanding of a separation between church and state, but this wasn't outlined in the UK practice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Lastly, we have number four, internationalism. The right to free movement of peoples and free international trade, as well as respect for international law and participation in international society. So this is the United Nations. Mm-hmm. So okay. <laughs> with these standards in mind, how does the magical world function lawfully and justly? <laughs> okay. Uh, first of all, I just want to put in a quick disclaimer here. I was not looking at justice at all in my understanding of sure. lawful. When I was talking about lawful, what I meant was like, the state or the government, I guess, decides on laws and then the citizens of a country follow those laws. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how does that work when all of the citizens of the country are magic and can do whatever the fuck they want? Yeah, definitely. That's that's a big aspect I want to explore. Yeah. I think I also wanted to just look at justice as well, because we have brought it up a lot in the past that the justice system in the magical world is very flawed. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's good to understand how that is that how that came to be because if you understand how the laws are made, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can understand why the system is unjust. Yeah, definitely we have been confused by the legal system in Harry Potter before, and we we don't see a lot mm-hmm. of it. So there are a lot of missing mm-hmm. pieces. But I would like to really break that down, explore it, and see if we can figure out how it works, and then 
we can go to our more philosophical questions after we've solved the practical issues of how do you run a government. So I have some notes on different, <laughs> sure. I wrote down institutions slash governing bodies. Do we want to yes. start going through these? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Okay. Should I we started do bottom to top or top to bottom? I started top to bottom. So I started with the International let's, Confederation let's of Wizards. Yeah, basically like Wizard UN, right? Yeah, it's like the Wizard UN. It is uh, the mm-hmm. purpose of the International Confederation of Wizards is to unite the magical community across the world. They have a strong authoritative presence within all matters of international magical cooperation. So they're basically the UN. And they are headed mm-hmm. by the Supreme Mugwomp, yep. which for years and years was Dumbledore. Uh, also, just really quickly, I think a couple of episodes ago, I kept talking about the Supreme Mugwomp. First of all, when I wrote these notes, I had a full-on hysterical breakdown because I'm like, this is the stupidest thing. <laughs> it's all so <laughs> stupid. Why am I doing this? <laughs> anyway. Are you telling me that... Sorry. Dumbledore is the Secretary General of Wizarding Society. Yeah, you we'll, that hang on. <laughs> so a few episodes ago, I was talking about the Supreme Mugwomp as being the person who is in charge of the Wizengamot, and I actually got that wrong. Yeah. It is the... Okay. Oh, fuck, what's in charge of the Wizengamot? Um, the Chief Warlock is in charge of the Wizengamot, sure. okay. and the Supreme Mugwomp is in charge of the International Confederation of Wizards. By the way, both of those Fuck people me. were Dumbledore for years and years and years. He only lost the titles. And At the, the same time? At the same time! Oh my god, that's so fucked. This man had so much power. It's insane. And we can't keep talking about Dumbledore forever. But... <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay, so the International Confederation of Wizards is basically the UN... They created the International Statute of Wizarding Secrecy in 1692, and they seem to be the ones in charge of enforcing it or in charge of making sure that all the individual countries enforce it so that there's like a global effort here. It seems like the latter to me. Um, They're in charge of making sure that other countries enforce it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what the UN is sort of like. (laughs) In theory. So, yeah, there's... Mm -hmm. I was reading through the um, the HP wiki on this and trying to get as much information as possible, and it's not fully clear. And some of it pulls from the Fantastic Beast movie, so it's hard to say. There yeah. was uh, there have been incidences where, like, basically the government of a specific country fucked up enforcing the international statute of secrecy on such a to such a degree that they had to be like formally reprimanded by the International Confederation of Wizards. So. The International Confederation of Wizards has the power to, like, summon the head of state, so the Minister of Magic, for example, to a public inquiry, which is apparently disgraceful and humiliating, and serves as a mark of incompetence in regard to their duty of protecting the magical world by means of concealing it from muggles. Okay, so there's, there's record of a British Minister of Magic, Damocles Roll who was forced to step down shortly after being censured for his anti-Muggle sentiments. So they definitely do have influence over the specific countries. And there's also a case which I think is pulled from the books where the International Confederation of Wizards, I'm just going to start calling them the Confederation. The Confederation Mm -hmm. has permanently stationed an international task force in the mountains of Tibet in response to numerous sightings of yetis by non-magical people which shows that the Confederation has the power to enforce the statute of secrecy in countries where the magical government can't do it themselves. Wow. There's so yeah, much okay. there already. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I think... <laughs> so it's not... A- wow, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's... Yeah. So individual countries have a responsibility to enforce the statute of secrecy, 
when they don't, they sure. can get punished by the Confederation. When they They're can't, pleased. the Confederation right. steps in and deals with it themselves. Okay, peacekeeping operation. I think so. Right. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, okay, interference. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I like that. <laughs> it, seems like, it seems like they have more power than the real world UN, maybe. And the mm, HP Wiki actually... Yeah. The HP Wiki speculates on this because uh, it basically says uh, the real world UN oversees a lot of things and <laughs> basically countries don't exactly have to follow the UN. You probably know more about this than me. Um, mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. have to follow UN and there's only one real example where there's more pressure to really, really follow what the UN says and that's in the case of nuclear weapons because they are so massively mm-hmm. destructive mm-hmm. on a global scale countries are more likely to put pressure on each other to follow what the UN says. So the yeah, exactly. the issue of keeping the muggle world secret from the wizarding world, first of all, it has to be done on a global scale. You can't have individual countries fucking this up. It has to be a global effort. Mm-hmm. And it basically... So it's like the equivalent of nuclear weapons. Yeah. Basically, the exact mm-hmm. quote is... The International Confederation of Wizards could be seen as operating in the equivalent of a permanent nuclear weapons crisis because mm-hmm. the threat of being discovered by muggles is constant, never changing, and like has worldwide ramifications for every single magic user. So they have a lot of Mutually power when it comes to this one thing. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so what do we think about that? Any more thoughts on the Confederation? <laughs> Um, I mean, it just comes back to something that I think will be a constant theme throughout this episode, which is that it's very interesting and hard to fathom to think of like an entire society and an entire system of rules created to keep your society secret. It's hard for us to fathom because (laughs) like, that's not something that like, (laughs) that's not something that exists in a normal way. So like when everything that your society does and every law that's made is, is in order to keep the society a secret. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a police state. Like yeah, it's, it's bit, fucking wild. It's yeah. It's, it's, it's understandable why human rights aren't a thing. Cause like that's another function of the UN is like universal human rights. Right. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's not just about, you know, preventing war on a global scale, preventing the proliferation of nuclear weapons. It's also about upholding human rights. Yeah. Um, but that's not even evident in the the Wizarding UN because human rights don't exist because you have to constantly keep your life a secret. And so, yeah, you can do what you want, but if you threaten that secrecy, your human rights are taken away. Yeah, <laughs> like, abs- dead ass. Like, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah. the issue of secrecy takes precedence yeah. over everything else. It's the everything. most important thing that the Wizarding world... <laughs> Sorry. It's the thing that the Wizarding World places the most importance on. And I did see there's absolutely no mention of human rights when it comes to the Confederation, but they do have some other responsibilities. They are primarily responsible for promoting peace, security, and cooperation. Great. They have a... United Nations. (laughs) Yeah. They manage internationally held magical games and sports. So they coordinate, I guess, the Quidditch World Cup, that sort of thing. They have an educational office that oversees the 11 largest wizarding schools and uh, they manage matters of international magical gatherings. So like they do a bunch of stuff, but it just seems like most of what they do is enforce this statute of secrecy. (laughs) 
Yeah, diplomacy, development, but really it's all just about <laughs> enforcing secrecy. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so yeah. wild. Imagine if, like, like 80 to 90% of what the Australian government did was keep Australia secret from the rest of the world. <laughs> like, I can't even fathom what it would be like <laughs> to live in that country. What do you mean? Australia is a secret. <laughs> <laughs> Shh! Don't tell anyone. Oh. <laughs> uh. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So that's the international magical government. On the national level, we have the Ministry of Magic, which is the government. And I I didn't go all through the different Ministry of Magic, all the different departments. Maybe we should talk about that, but... No, that's not important. I mostly focused on the Department of Magical Law Enforcement, because we're talking about the legal system. Yeah. So, uh, the... Department of Magical Law Enforcement. Sorry also that this whole section is just me rambling, but there's a lot of information to get through. (laughs) (laughs) Department of Magical Law Enforcement is the wizarding equivalent of both the Muggle Police Force and the Judiciary. Mm, Roughly the equivalent of the Home Office of Muggle Britain. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Some sort of... (laughs) Neither do I. (laughs) Home Affairs? There's no way to tell. Home Affairs? I guess so. Something like that? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's just so. It is, yeah, it is the largest department in the ministry and all other departments are answerable to this one, except the Department of Mysteries, which is its own sort of separate thing. <laughs> and uh, there's a bunch of different subdivisions, which I, I'll go through because I think they're important. But the purpose of the department is to enforce wizarding laws and is also responsible for the safety and welfare of the wizarding population. And it yep. didn't say this specifically on the HP Wiki, but I think another purpose is the creation of laws because we just talked about that mm, legal pressure comes from the court system which is the wizgamot which is a branch of the department of magical law enforcement i don't think that's one of the purposes of it and i have reasons for that okay all right I'm, i might just be wrong <laughs> okay so uh some of the things that the department of magical law enforcement does they have the authority to issue formal warnings hand mm-hmm. out fines Seize private property. Fines? Inv- when? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, make investigative inquiries, confiscate contraband and other illegal items, detain suspects, carry out arrests, use other appropriate means of policing Wizarding Britain. So they definitely do all the policing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember the fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember anyone being fined, but actually I'm sure it happened in like newspaper articles and stuff. Such and such, you know, had this seized from them and had to pay a fine. That seems like the sort of thing that happens. <laughs> Actually, didn't Harry have to pay a fine? No, he was cleared of all charges. He just chose to dump all his money in the fountain. <laughs> the contraband thing is fine, like, because Lucius Malfoy had a bunch of stuff stolen from his house. That's fine. But mm-hmm. I don't stolen. remember any... Seized yeah. from his Seized, house. yeah. That's the word. I don't remember... <laughs> the don't government remember... can't come in here and take my property. <laughs> I don't remember anyone having to pay a fine for committing some sort of petty crime. So I, I, I want to come back to that. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, I, honestly, I can't remember a specific case of it, but I'm I'm sure I've like read on the back of chocolate frog cards, whatever. Like, sure, you know, yeah, okay. Was arrested for doing this and had to pay a fine, that sort of thing. Like, I'm sure it happens. I can believe it. Okay. <laughs> so here are the different divisions of the uh, Department of Magical Law Enforcement that were listed on the HP Wiki. This can't be all of them, but it's the ones that were listed there. Sure. I broke these into two two sections, admin and enforcement. Yep. So admin. I'm going to go through them all. Sorry, there's a lot. <laughs> admin, administrative registration department. 
that's responsible for the registration of the wizarding population so they keep track of everybody great to know that there's some kind of census because we didn't know that before this (laughs) uh wizengamot administration literally they just do all the admin for the court that's great perfect department of intoxicating substances okay they are responsible for making regulations on the consumption of alcoholic beverages including don't sell alcohol to minors Love what? that there's a whole department for this, and it clearly and has not for to love do with potions. potions. Yeah, not for potions. And what I, the fuck? I read, Kids are buying butterbeer all the time. <laughs> I know. I read it's Department England. of Intoxicating Substances, and I'm like, oh great, there's a whole department dealing with potions and stuff. No. And then it's just like, not just alcohol. Sus. Whatever. At least they have something <laughs> for that. I what I assume happened here is, uh somewhere on the set yeah. of a movie there's a poster which is like don't sell alcohol to minors said by the department of intoxicating substances and that's literally all the information we have yeah it's or some person like on twitter is like why do the children in harry potter drink beer all the time jk rowling hmm and she yeah. just made up some bullshit i don't know where. Yeah. she's <laughs> like it's not alcoholic it's controlled mm. by the department of intoxicating substances i don't Whoa. believe you i believe it is alcohol <laughs> yeah so those are the only three admin departments <laughs> It's all the admin Oh my we god. Need. Everything else is enforcement, baby. Okay. Uh, Improper use of magic office. This office yep. punishes violations of the International Statute of Secrecy. That's great. So they deal with the underage wizards and witches intentionally using magic, mm-hmm. and they are probably in charge of the trace. Yeah. I imagine in cooperation with Administrative Registration Department, right? Yeah, anyway. well, that's if the census is how you get your trace. That's how you know where exactly. people are. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got to be in charge of, like, figuring out muggle-born children anyway. yeah yeah and getting them enrolled all that sort of stuff yeah yeah misuse of muggle artifacts office this is mr weasley's office it yep. controls the use of magic on muggle obje- objects great great auras mm. now auras <laughs> is interesting because i've just i've in researching this realized that i was completely wrong about what an aura is because okay. i always thought of auras as the cops cops yeah but but they're not actually the cops are something else and auras are way more specialized than that are they detectives so Actually, no. Okay, so there's four different things which are kind of like the cops. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to go through all four of them now. There are auras, the investigation department, hit wizards, and magical law enforcement patrol. What the f- okay. Hit wizards? <laughs> hit wizards, exactly. Okay, so an aura is a highly trained specialist officer who investigates crimes involving the dark arts and apprehends dark wizards. Okay. Auras are not ordinary law enforcement employees. They are specialized dark wizard catchers. Auras are the magical equivalents of Muggle counter-terrorism operatives. Oh, okay. Okay. Fuck. Yeah, they, like, hunt down terrorists, which makes sense. Like, that's what the Dark Death Eaters are. terrorists. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They mustn't be... I mean, I would say they mustn't be too busy all the time, but... Exactly. I'm like, how <laughs> I mean... many terrorists are there? But I guess, like, we have counter-terrorist task force in the Muggle worlds, and it's not like the streets are crawling with terrorists. Yeah, well, that's because they're doing their job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, you know, a good CT program is one that you don't even notice. So. Yeah. But... <laughs> okay, let me go through the others. Yeah, sure. Investigation department, subdivision of the aura office. So it's kind of like the admin department of the aura office, but I thought okay. I would pull it out. So this department does all the investigation and the tracking down of dark wizards. Sure. Okay. So I'm guessing like you would split your aura department into people who work in investigation and do like the desk work and then people yeah. who actually go out and catch the dark wizards. Yeah. And yeah. they probably work really closely together. That makes yeah. sense to me. Desk jockeys and yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. That's your, if I'm pulling from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is where <laughs> most of my understanding of the law comes from, <laughs> that would be your detectives versus your like beat cops, I guess. Okay, I see, like, the one you just described is more like the 
people that are looking at like CCTV cameras and looking at yeah. fucking, like you know. But there's no wizard equivalent of that. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. I I said detectives versus beat cops. What I meant was detectives versus like forensics department. Yeah, forensics. That's the word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Detectives like going out and invest and investigating the crimes investigation department, like doing all the research and study, yeah. I guess. Giving you the data. Yeah. Yeah. The data. Yeah. I know what I mean, but I don't think I explained it very well. That's what I mean. <laughs> it's vibes. It's vibes, guys. It's vibes. Okay. <laughs> we don't understand what we're talking about. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Hit wizards. Okay. Hit wizards are a team of highly trained wizards tasked with arresting dangerous criminals. Speak cops. Okay. They are the Wizarding Britain's equivalent of specialist firearms officers or possibly oh. the equivalent equivalent of a muggle SWAT team. Black ops. Okay. Yeah. So these are like... I guess a step below auras, but a step up from regular cops. Like CIA for America. Or like Maybe. A- a- Australian Federal Police, AFP. Yeah, it says SWAT team here. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Hut, 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 okay. Hut. Yeah. And then the last <laughs> section is Magical Law Enforcement Patrol. I guess these are our regular beat cops. Beat cops. Okay. Uh, general, they are tasked with general law enforcement, like with the Muggle Police. Uh, hit wizards are part of the squad and are dispatched to deal with high profile arrests. So that makes sense. Sure, hit wizards okay. are a step up from this, but a step down from auras. Okay. They also do things like handle security at Quidditch events. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, an example was the group headed by Bob Ogden, who led a team to Little Hangleton to arrest Marvolo and Morphin Gaunt for crimes against muggles in the ministry. Oh, so those weren't auras who went out to get them. They are right. the cops, basically, who went and arrested those people because they weren't dark wizards, but they were committing crimes against muggles and they wouldn't sure. stop. So they had to yeah. go to jail. Sure, okay. 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 <laughs> so these are like the four different branches of cops we've got to deal with. <laughs> okay, I can differentiate it in my brain. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense to me. So you have... your. Magical law enforcement patrol are your regular cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They work with hit wizards who are more trained for, like, capturing criminals, effectively. Yeah. Then your step up from that is your aura department, which is broken into the investigation department, your forensics team, and the auras themselves who are, like... Head detectives, like... Yeah, yeah, they're like they're the big guys basically. Yeah, big they boys. they track down the, the Death Eaters and the serious blacks of the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the really, really dangerous criminals. Not okay. just your regular people. Normal citizens breaking the law? No. Auras don't go after those. Auras go after the dark wizards. The bad okay. people. That makes... like I still don't like it, but it makes a little bit more sense why Harry went into auraism. Because that's what he's been doing his whole life, right? Yeah. Um, it definitely makes me a lot happier with Harry's canon story. That he didn't yeah. become a cop, basically. Yeah. He's not yeah. like and going around makes arresting people for like... <laughs> flying under the influence or anything like that mm-hmm. or like arresting also, homeless people <laughs> straight up as someone who's been reading harry potter fan fiction for her entire life i can guarantee you nobody understands this <laughs> yeah no that I makes ha- sense i have read i couldn't even count how many fics i have read of harry as an aura or fix set in the aura department and every single person in the world thinks they're regular cops <laughs> nobody knows that they are these counter-terrorist well that makes perfect department. sense because literally we only hear about the auras we don't hear shit about hit wizards and mm. forensics and all this sort of stuff <laughs> yeah hit wizards are i think mentioned when it comes to Maybe capturing Sirius Black, which doesn't make sense because those should be no. <laughs> If I had read the term hit wizards, that would have stayed in my brain. That is yeah. absolutely extra to the books and movies. That is not, yeah. 
Well, it sounds like hitman, so I'd, yeah. I assume they were like assassins. I, same. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. Wow. Okay. So that's the Department of Magical Law Enforcement. Yeah. The other branch that I have, I had Azkaban as well. Azkaban's the prison. We don't need to explain that. Yeah. You know what we, that is. We know what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing is the Wizengamot, which is technically also a part of the Department of Magical Law Enforcement. I just yes. pulled it out because it's the court system. So that yes. needs its own section. Yes. So it is the High Court of Wizarding Law in Britain, mm-hmm. the legislative and judicial branch of Wizarding Britain. So, yeah. It does it all. Gangs all here. Yep. <laughs> Head of the Wizengamot is the Chief Warlock, who was also Dumbledore for many years. <laughs> And here's a special thing. There was like a breakdown of the etymology of the word where it comes from. And basically it uh, talks about a person with particular skill or achievements. So I just wanted to really stress, you don't need any actual qualifications to be the head of the Wisgamot. You just need to be like a respected member of society. (laughs) Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, There's about 50 people in the Wisgamot, but there's not always a full court. Uh, smaller cases are handled by less people up to like a hearing with just one person which is what Harry should have got before he got a full-on criminal trial yeah Uh, trials are usually brief and concise Uh, the accused might present witnesses to be questioned a third party with legal knowledge might speak on behalf of the defendant I love the words might in these sentences yeah I've got a lot to say about this (laughs) yeah no wizarding lawyers seem to exist that's great (laughs) The practice of having a spokesperson on behalf of a defendant appears to be rare. Great. Mm, bet. Uh, here's a little note that I just had for myself, which isn't actually part of this, but I'm going to mention it here because it makes sense. I don't think memories are admissible as court evidence because we never Absolutely. see that happening. And no. we literally see them get tampered with in the case of Slughorn, so I don't think they would be admissible in court. I think you have to have a witness come in and speak. And I, I doubt Veritaserum is used either, because people could be like... It's like lying, lying detectors in this world. People could be like, oh, you could trick the potion. Yeah, again, in the case of yeah. Slughorn, like Dumbledore specifically says, we shouldn't use Veritaserum on him because he has the antidote on himself at all times. Yeah, So exactly. if you if you knew you were going to court and you are going to be given Veritaserum, you would just down the antidote before you went in. So yeah, yeah it, it shouldn't be used, or I think it isn't used. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, there's a brief section on uh, the first Wizarding War where Barty Crouch, who was the head of the Department of Magical Law Enforcement, uh, mm. forfeit, um, forewent trials, basically just sent everybody straight to prison without great. checking. And there's this great little <laughs> quote here, which is so interesting. This tells us so much. While this prevented many criminals from manipulating the court to escape justice, Ooh. great, it also led to wrongful imprisonments due to a lack of chance for such people to speak their sides of the stories. Yeah, yeah I bet. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no shit. That's what happens when you don't give people a trial, but also prevented criminals from manipulating yeah. the court to escape justice. So we know that that shit happens all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah. Great. It also, it's so assumptive to everyone who's brought forward as a criminal already. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, Ugh. there's also just like notes on people who are in the Wizgamot, which I thought was interesting. There's the Minister of Magic, Senior Undersecretary for the Minister, Head of the Department, blah, 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 blah. These are the basic guys. But also a British youth representative who had to oh. be no more than 17 years old could be present at times as well. Interesting. What the fuck? Why? Let's have a that's child a- here. <laughs> no, I think that's a good idea because like the majority of the society, right, is about keeping it secret. 
And so the most vulnerable people to the the law would be like minors, underage people, because they have wild magic. So it's important that you have that consideration. And there should be more than one, I think. Mm. It should be like a little committee. But it's important that you have that consideration there of like, well, let's look at all the circumstances here. Is it a wild magic? Is it this person actually intentionally trying to break the law? Like, yeah, having, having that empathetic point of view, you know? This is an area of the law that I've always been curious about. We know that the law is very lenient on people under the age of 11 on their accidental uses of magic. But mm-hmm. in terms of how that's enforced, it's yes. like, well, the magical families are responsible for keeping their kids under control and away from muggles. That's fine. But the muggle-born children don't have anyone stopping them from using magic in front of muggles. Yeah. And I guess... I thought in the case of Harry, there was absolutely no effort made because it was assumed that his muggle family knew about magic, therefore nothing needed to be kept hidden from them, and they would take reasonable measures to protect Harry, which they obviously didn't because the Dursleys didn't give a shit about anything. But what is done in the case of children like Hermione? Because mm. they, aren't, they aren't told about the magical world, and neither are their parents before they're 11, for some reason. They should be told at birth. Whatever. I think it's just like as long as the kid stays because they have the trace they have ways of tracking these people mm. I think as long as the kid stays under the radar if they don't blow, blow up a city then it's chill you know they can grow their hair back they can jump off a second story building and survive it's all good yeah. but if they start to do things that are very public and very noticeable get some of the news like then of course people would intervene and there would be like maybe this child should be told now and maybe this family should be brought in things like yeah. that yeah well we um, have we have other cases like Lily was doing magic in front of Petunia and nobody did anything. Yeah. Uh, Voldemort as well. Tom Riddle was using magic to torture other children. And once again, mm. nobody no, did shit. Anything. But Dumbledore knew about it when he showed up. So they knew well, that it happened, but they didn't do anything. I don't know. Well, he didn't. He just learned about it when he showed up, right? He didn't know about it already. Oh, did he? I might be yeah, misremembering. Like, oh, because he used legitimacy on this child to get all his secrets. No, he was talking to Old Mate, the lady who ran the orphanage. And was asking she? about him. I don't remember and... the scene. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have mentioned it. I shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> yeah, no, he walked in. And he's like, I'm here for Tom Riddle. She's like, oh, good. I hate that kid. He does all this <laughs> shit. And like, <laughs> he's awful. Okay. We've got a little demon child and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So um, maybe they just fully don't pay attention to muggle-born kids. Because they're like, they aren't powerful yeah. enough. They won't cause enough chaos to expose us. Mm. And if and... they ever did, they would intervene instantly. Yeah. Yeah. And but we know that cases where things get bad turn into what are they called? Obscurai or something? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. there are there are cases where this goes bad. Ariana Dumbledore, who showed magic in front of muggles and then they did something awful to her. Yeah, well <laughs> no, that was more like a case of and it was just an accident I, I, kind of. Yeah. Because like obscurus, well Yeah. yeah. Her parents were there. Her parents should have prevented that from happening and exactly, failed to do yeah. so. It's not really a is, legal issue. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's someone who has been taught or raised to suppress their own magic. It's yeah. not like an example of wild magic. It's the opposite. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's certainly not a failing of the legal system, I would say. No, no. Okay. No. So that's... That's as much as I thought was relevant in what we know about the legal system. I did have also an, a big list of known laws, but that was more just to wrap my head around the kind of things that mm. are enforceable or yeah. that we are told are enforceable in the Wizarding World. I don't think we need to go through a list of all the laws. No. 
I have some stu- stuff to say about laws and how laws are made yeah. in this society. If you want to go with that. Go ahead, please. So I've been was... talking for so long. <laughs> this was, um, I was looking at parliamentary sovereignty slash the rule of law. Because mm-hmm. remember, I was talking about my four points before and I was looking at how it works in a magical yeah. context. So let me just go on a bit of a spiel and you can interrupt me as you will. Mm-hmm. Um, Our usual the ministry stick. has <laughs> The ministry has several departments for specific areas in society that need managing. It is these departments and the people within them that design laws relevant to their subject area. For okay. example, the Muggle Protection Act was partially written by Arthur Weasley as a senior member from the Improper Use of Magic Office. You're right. So in yeah. This, yeah. So in this way, the Ministry of Magic looks and feels more like a local government than a federal one. The uh-huh. laws for many aspects of society are not codified by one parliament. There are advantages and disadvantages to this. So... First of all, an advantage is that when it comes to laws for specific aspects of society, it can be beneficial that rules are designed by professionals and subject matter experts. For example, it is wild but also good that Arthur Weasley had a hand in the legislation which protects muggles from muggle baiting because he is someone who is qualified to understand the consequences of muggle baiting, etc. Yeah, theoretically, he's an expert in that. That's his subject area. That's his profession that he works in all day. Yeah, and he's passionate about it. The disadvantage of this is when we have a jaded member from the ministry who is working for a department they are not passionate about, deciding on the legislation relevant to their subject matter. Like, we have some uninspired or unfocused member of the Department of Control of Magical Creatures coming up with legislation on how creatures, beasts, and spirits should be managed. The consequences Mm -hmm. of this could be terrible. And also, let's consider the aura department. How fucked is it that the police have a say in the creation of the criminal laws that they are there to enforce? Oh, yeah. There is no... There's no objectivity or professionalism in how laws are created and codified. This also means there's a great variance in how laws are written and can be interpreted. So we come back to rule of law here. The laws created by the Department of Magical Law Enforcement are going to be phrased very differently to something written by the Department of Mysteries or the Department of Transportation. These laws are certainly not going to be clear and predictable and would certainly be up for broad misinterpretation by the Wizengamot. So mm. okay. <laughs> that's something to really keep in mind. That's how it works. The well, Wizard of doesn't make the laws. They just, like, if you're brought to, okay, say I am a witch. <laughs> I make an uh-huh. illegal port key. <laughs> yeah. The laws around the creation of port keys were written by the Department of Magical Transportation. Yep. Maybe they're written in such a way where it's like basically like no wizard or witch can make an illegal port key. Mm-hmm. Um. But I have been getting my house elf to do it. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I can trick the law. That's the way I do it if I'm evil. If I'm a good person, right? I work for the Department of Magical Transportation. <laughs> I made an illegal port key by accident. I was just making port keys on regulation, and then I happened to make an accidental one. That's a misfile. Mm-hmm. I can still be charged for that. Maybe I can have my wand broken for that. <laughs> because the law says no witcher wizard shall make an illegal port key. Mm-hmm. And maybe if I don't have good enough representation because I don't have great friends like Harry Potter and there's no lawyers, mm. I could be sent to jail for that. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, I understand what you're saying, but I disagree with you on how it works. Sure. Because I think that there is, I was about to say um, an aspect of public opinion, but that's not correct. I think that what happens is, like you said, individual members of the departments write laws or propose laws, but then I think they get voted on by the Wisgamot. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the Wisgamot is the legislative and judiciary branch. So it does like the criminal justice, but it also does the legal side of things. 
Is it? Does it say in your research that they vote on what laws are made? No, but I think this is how... I'm proposing that this is how it works. And what I'm basing <laughs> I don't this think on... It is. <laughs> I'm basing this on Arthur Weasley and his Muggle Protection Act. Because okay. he wrote... He basically wrote that law, and at the beginning of the book, he's trying to get it passed. And right. then he's... Uh, his, I was about to say his son. And then Ron and Harry steal his flying car... And it's a big scandal, and it's in the newspaper that Arthur Weasley, the sure. person who wrote this Muggle Protection Act, is himself breaking the law and casting forbidden enchantments on Muggle objects, like fl- making a car mm. fly. And there is a quote from Lucius Malfoy in the Daily Prophet saying, this is an example of his incompetence, his law should be struck down, basically, blah, blah, blah. Right. So okay. I think... No, okay, you're right. I think there is some mm-hmm. sort of voting process on laws and Lucius was trying to sway opinion. I don't think it's the public mm-hmm. opinion. I don't think the public votes. I think the Wisgamot votes and he was trying to publicly pressure the Wisgamot yes. to strike down this law. There's still, like, I agree with that, but that's still fucked because, like, mm. the Wisgamot is probably going to pass any law written by Department of Magical Law Enforcement, right? But, yeah. like, lower departments like Mr. Weasley's, they're probably going to be hypercritical of... Mm-hmm. And, like, not care about <laughs> and ignore for months on end before passing it into a law. So it's definitely, there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> but <laughs> like, all of that said, he was still able to get that law passed. He comes from mm-hmm. a neglected, underfunded department. There's only two people in his department. And mm-hmm. this is an unpopular law in the pure blood aristocratic circles of the wizarding world because Lucius Malfoy hates it and he's got a lot of money and influence but still Arthur Weasley was able to get it passed so mm-hmm. there's some amount of justice if we want to call that justice <laughs> yeah I think he was able to get that passed because of the the sequences at the end of that book because of what happened with the chamber of secrets and stuff like that and Lucius being discredited well like, we that know was the reason right <laughs> I think mm, oh, I thought actually it passed earlier than that because no, no, because Arthur was in disgrace for the whole book. And then, like, with everything that happened at the end of the book, with his son being involved in the, you know, the savior of the school, his daughter being compromised because of the things of Lucius Malfoy, Lucius Malfoy's house being raided, I think that pushed it to being passed, in my opinion. I can't remember because the ministry was definitely conducting raids because that's why Lucius got rid of the diary because he didn't want it to be found in a raid. And also mm-hmm. there's that whole scene where they do the polyjuice potion and Ron is like, I'm going to tell dad to look under the Malfoy's drawing room where they have their secret vault full of dark shit. Yeah. So it only happened <laughs> after there was discredit like thrown on Lucius Malfoy. Like no, I That think, happens like, during yeah. the books. I'm looking it up. Muggle Protection Act. <laughs> And I want to see if it tells me when it passed. There are 90 results for Muggle Protection Act. No, just give me the basic one. Oh, hang on. Uh, it was written at some point prior to the 4th of August, 1992. So that's prior to the beginning of term in the second book. Because that starts September written, 1st. when was it passed? Yeah, exactly. Written, written but when was it passed? <laughs> because, like, the point um... I'm trying to make here is, like, yeah, it's a lowly department, he's an unpopular guy, it's an unpopular law. But, like, if it's only passed because of the extraordinary circumstances surrounding Harry Potter and plot armor, <laughs> then I don't mm. really think it's a viable example of how the overall magical society would function. Like, Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say. Look, I'm using it as the example because it's the one we have the most detail but about. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, it's hard to say because it's like... 
uh, blah, 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 Lucius Malfoy in the Daily Prophet was using it as a reason that the law should be scrapped immediately. That to me says that the law was it's in, place. in effect, yeah. is in yeah. place, but, but still maybe... being, you know, laws can be changed like that, I guess. Yeah, it was know. a new law, basically. He was trying to have it stricken down. Yeah, okay. I mean, like, sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's one example, but I really don't think, like, it's it, that's the, like... Precedent, shall I use a legal Gem, term? All we do on this show is pull from one example and try to extrapolate <laughs> how the rest of the society works. <laughs> I mean, sure, but it's still, it's fucked that, like, the yeah. departments <laughs> can write laws. That's not how society should work. <laughs> like, well, but the other thing is that wizarding society is so much smaller than our society. Like, when you said it's like local government, well, like, it's a lot bigger than local government, but... I don't know. Do you think there should be a whole department that just writes laws for the rest of the yeah. people? Yeah, it's a nation. <laughs> like I guess lo- so. Local government look, doesn't. <laughs> I said it out loud, and you were right. That is what it should be. <laughs> local government doesn't write laws. <laughs> local yeah. government, like you know, the Department of Transportation for your local council isn't like being like we're gonna <laughs> like you can only travel from seven a.m. to seven p.m. <laughs> that's not a thing they can do they are beholden to the state or territory and the federal law like if they like (laughs) if there's like a specific thing going on in your local area like a natural disaster or some sort of specific thing occurring that's specific to Mm -hmm. your area then you can go to your member of fucking representative and they can go to the house of reps and they can go to parliament and it goes up the ladder to see if there's going to be stuff changed and yeah there's there's flaws to that system but like (laughs) Yeah. At least you so know, I know that I'm, your local representative that, doesn't govern you. <laughs> I know that we have state and federal law. Great. Yeah, yeah. Is there no such thing as local law? Does the local government not make laws for their specific area? Man, look, I'm not a legal student, but I don't think so. Yeah. Like I think like, we're beholden to state to laws a... and federal. Yeah, like I obviously I'm not like, you know, your local government can decide that murder is legal in your area. Of course not, because that would be contravening state and federal law, which is that murder is illegal. But like about little local things. things. Zoning laws. Like it's very specific. Zoning laws. Yeah. You know, you can't have a you can't have a fucking skyscraper in your backyard. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But like that's that's a perfect example. Yeah. The local government makes laws about like what you can build on your land in terms of like height and all of that sort of stuff. Like, um, an example is the community that we used to live in. There were a bunch of properties that had a great view of the beach, but the view of the beach was blocked by trees because the trees needed to be there to keep the sand dunes in place to stop the entire country from getting washed away into the ocean (laughs) and people would go and poison those trees because they wanted a great view of the ocean and then the local government would show up and put a massive wall in front of the house and be like fuck you don't cut down the trees that's a law that's got to be a local law the state doesn't give a shit about the trees in front of the beach at where we used to live surely the state government or like (laughs) the federal government has like you know the department of environment or whatever that's like you can't poison trees (laughs) like you know (laughs) i guess so it's (laughs) it's still beholden to something at a higher level like it's just being enacted (laughs) by a local government like and a council i should say we just don't know This is why we didn't want to do this episode. We can't. There's no way to research it. We just don't understand. My point is that, like, this is the way the wizarding world works, where it's like Department of Transportation is writing rules about transportation. Department of Magical Mm -hmm. Creatures is writing rules about magical creatures. And there are uh, things to consider with that system. (laughs) 
Yeah. Because, yeah, even just on a language level, like, you're an editor. Like, imagine, yeah. like, the fucking differences between how a law would be written in one department to how it be written in another. And, like, yeah, no one, no one's going over that and being like, okay, let's codify this and make it all a uniform language, make it all simple to read. No, they're just, like, fucking being like, okay, here's the laws now. Will this be passed or not? Yeah, it's passed. It's very inconsistent. It can be interpreted multiple ways, but we're wizards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's fucked. I did... I did take note of the legalese surrounding a certain quote, and I'm like, I wonder if all laws are written like this. Because it's interesting if they are. Because, okay, so the reason why legalese exists, basically, is mm. because laws laws get written, and then, yeah. as you said, there's problems with them. So, okay, when I was writing my list of laws, the decree for the reasonable restriction of underage sorcery, blah, 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 Warnings were given for violation of paragraph C, which was to knowingly, deliberately, and in full awareness of illegality, do magic in a muggle-inhabited area and in the presence of a muggle. That speaks to me of a law that was written, and then it was revised. (laughs) Out of the pond. Out of the pond, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was written, and then it was revised, because a specific case happened, and then the court had to make a decision, and then it was revised again, because something else happened, the court had to make a decision. That's how legalese happens. This is why these sentences get longer and longer and more complicated, more clauses added in, blah, 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 because our legal system is constantly rewriting and reshaping itself. Yes. That implies to me that the wizarding world's doing the same thing because otherwise it would just be Mm -hmm. like don't do magic in front of muggles (laughs) (laughs) yeah no yeah you're right yeah like but i do wonder like there's got to be some laws written like you know like that parks and rec joke where it's like any woman caught laughing is a witch (laughs) like you know there's got to be some laws that are just written like so simplistically and just haven't been reviewed in 300 years yeah like (laughs) But, like, so's the muggle world. Like, there's that yeah, yeah, that yeah. list of, like, stupid laws that you can look up, and there's a bunch of them that's, like, you know, it's yeah. illegal Can't to throw a rock at a bear or whatever. It's illegal to uh, beat your wife with a stick wider than the width of your thumb or whatever. Like, all these stupid yeah. laws that just exist because they haven't been struck down or revised in 400 years. God. Um, I want to talk about punishment. So from what yeah. I could tell, there was basically three levels of punishment if you're convicted of a crime, right? So for underage magic, you can get a written warning for your first offense. Yep. Mm-hmm. A second offense usually means that you are punished with expulsion from Hogwarts and having your wand broken. So you're ostracized in society. Yeah. Um, so that's a very extreme punishment for the crime. Yeah, <laughs> Let me just put that out there. It's so interesting to me that expulsion from one school gets your wand snapped. Hang on, wasn't Grindelwald yeah. expelled from Hogwarts? And then yeah. he went to yeah, Durmstrang. Just got a new wand. So those are... Okay. So did he actually... Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Did he actually if get I was expelled from society? Because Hagrid got, like, forbidden from using magic. Yeah, in UK. If he, could, he can fucking go to Russia where Durmstrang is or wherever... It I is, guess. Wherever it is. I guess yeah, that's I'm... fine, actually. Cause that, yeah, yeah he, that's exactly what I he would left do the country. if I was... <laughs> Yeah, if I was rich and had access like Grindelwald, I would 100% do that if I was expelled from my society, just go move somewhere else. Yeah, Hagrid fair enough. I doesn't really have that kind of privilege. I guess um, there's no problem with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, sent to Azkaban. This is another punishment. Mm-hmm. This happens for some serious crimes. Murder, unforgivable curses, mm-hmm. being a domestic terrorist or death eater, and being an unregistered Omegas. <laughs> yeah. Okay, just, again, it's wild that, that that one's on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then yeah. lastly, we've got Dementor's Kiss. So this is kind of like the death penalty, um, but worse. 
mm-hmm. and it's reserved for extremely serious crimes where people are deemed unfit to be kept in society. Yeah. It's likely that Voldemort would have been given this if he had survived. Yeah, you get your soul um, sucked out and eaten, which is like so fucked because we have then, established that the soul is like the immortal soul that gives you access to the afterlife. So like it's a really fucked thing to be like this is being taken from you as a punishment. Yeah, like it's also like what happens to your body? Do people just let you rot in the street? Do they put you in some place where you're cared for, like St. Mungo's? I think you get sent back to Azkaban. Just be there. Okay, yeah. Fuck. Well, we've theor- well, I've theorized in a previous episode that once your soul gets sucked out, your body mm. turns into a Dementor. A I dementor. stand by that. Yeah. So in that case, it doesn't I stand matter. By it. Yeah, they just leave you somewhere for a bit. and then. Yeah, I think that's how the Dementors more. breed. Because mm. we know that they breed. Yeah. <laughs> I also had a point here. I want to look at, think about what auras are dealing with on an average day. This is before we learned about the different strata. Of, yeah. Um, place. <laughs> so that's I okay. Just, Some think... of these things will just be handled by law enforcement patrol or hit wizards. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot about the fact that like, we see like a police state in Harry Potter, like yeah. three times at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to talk POA, about that as well. Prison mask the police state is set in place due to the escape of Sirius Black. What's oh wait! More insane is it? Sorry, yeah. I I definitely do want to talk about this. I just want to throw out one more thing. Uh, yeah. The death penalty did exist in the Wizarding World, definitely at some point, oh, because in the uh, UK, in the in America, actually, Porpentina was yeah, sentenced yeah, yeah. to death and was going to be lowered into that death potion in the movies. Yeah, that's an American thing. Yeah. yeah, but it's just interesting to me that they did also have the death penalty and maybe still do in some places. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. just like the real world, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just like the real yeah. world. Okay, so back to the police state. Yeah. Um, so, Prince of Azkaban, police state, after serious black escapes, and what's even more insane is that the mm-hmm. Dementor is an indiscriminate police force, uninterested in upholding laws, as set mm-hmm. loose in whistling society, significantly putting in danger of vulnerable people, but also harming the rest of the society at large. Yeah. Like, no, no one benefits from this. Yeah. <laughs> like, how fucked? Yeah. I keep going back to that we've shut down the government and like everyone's hunting for Sirius Black now. Yeah. I've still, I've got to assume that was just the Department of Magical Law Enforcement, not all the other departments. But maybe no, if, mm. if the government's small enough that there's only like a hundred or 200 people working in the Ministry of Magic, maybe it actually is a good use of resources to get everyone searching for Sirius Black. If you're assuming you're going to catch him in a week or two. That's but then it took all that year. That's real well too. Like that happens in governments where there's some sort of like state of emergency um, yeah every department's just put on emergency yeah but the state of emergency is not usually let's all get this fucking guy yeah it's it's (laughs) usually something like there's been an outbreak of a disease one would think yeah or like a natural disaster or we're at war Mm -hmm. (laughs) like not one guy has escaped from prison (laughs) but okay this is going to become relevant later Order of the Phoenix, government is corrupt and its central focus becomes covering up the rise of Voldemort and the full force mm-hmm. of the government and its judiciary system is put onto Harry and the threat of expulsion and sending him to Azkaban. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have in Deathly Hallows the muggle roundups, the trials, the immediate enforcement by Dementors and Auras sending them to Azkaban, expelling from society, etc. Yeah. Yeah, I I immediately dismissed anything that we learned about the government from Deathly Hallows onwards because that's not the government. No, that's no, no. Voldemort. I just think it's interesting. Just I just think it's interesting. <laughs> like I think you, yeah, I think you're even forgetting instances. Mm. I would pull stuff from 
Well, first of all, Barty crouched getting rid of all trials. Yeah, absolutely. Wild that he had the power to do that and that the trials didn't then happen after the war was over. Yep. Like, I, I fully understand being like, everyone arrested under suspicion of being a Death Eater goes straight to prison during wartime. Mm-hmm. I can That's like rounding it, people yeah. up and putting them in concentration camps. Like, I don't agree with it, but, but I understand it, it as a measure that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then to not... Then to just be like, okay, and all the people who are imprisoned, we just leave them there forever and we never think about it again. Once again, I'm sure it's a thing that happens, but it's deeply fucked and shouldn't have been that way. Mm -hmm. There should have been trials for everyone sentenced during that period after the war was done. I guess they just didn't want to. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I have some more- There must be so many people like Sirius who are innocent. Yeah. Who are also still in Azkaban to this day. Yeah, don't have a voice because there's no lawyers. They don't have a way of standing on their own two feet because maybe they're not, like, super privileged or rich or accepted in society. They might Mm -hmm. be squibs. They might be house elves. (laughs) You know, Winky was just basically given trial and, like, in in the forest for, like, nothing and just basically fired, which is, like, the elf equivalent of being completely ostracized from her own culture and society. It's a... Mm -hmm. It's... Yeah... Um, I have some points here which are basically just looking at wizarding democracy and wizarding internationalism because I was looking at my four points. Um, but that's okay. all I had to say about like parliamentary and like how laws are made and the rule of law. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have anything else you want to cover in that section? No. Everything else that I want to talk about is like, I guess I'm going to call it like a wider philosophical argument, okay. which is like, how is it possible to enforce the law in a world where everyone can do whatever they want and magically escape consequences? Okay. I'll just quickly cover what yeah. I have here about democracy. So first of all, the minister is an elected official, but he does not seem to be subject to term limits. A minister can, however, be removed from office. <laughs> so yeah. there's that. Um, the... Yeah, it seems like he gets voted in and then voted out when the people are sick of him. Doesn't seem like he's running for election every few years or whatever. No. Or if so, it's such a long period of time that it's not mentioned in the books. Mm-hmm. Well, wizards do live longer, I guess, but yeah. Yeah, maybe he serves for like a term of 10 years or something like that. Mm. Uh, the press is not free. Well, at least the dominant press, the Daily Prophet, is basically mm-hmm. paid and in the pocket of the Fudge Ministry during his time in power. This train continues in later books when the ministry is compromised and ruled over by Death Eaters as well. The only time we kind of see the Daily Prophet being free from government influence is in the sixth book when Scrim Gower is the minister. And even then, the paper is still certainly biased to the government of the day, reporting stories that are favourable to the system of power that be. Um, yeah, I'm I'm interested in this. Hmm. We should really have done a, an episode on the press or something in Wizarding World. No time anymore. That's a key point of democracy, freedom of press. Yeah, yeah, freedom of press. Because I see a lot of people and like fans and readers of the Harry Potter series talking about the Daily Prophet as if it is literally owned by the Ministry of Magic and literally owned by Fudge and he tells them what to print. Hmm. I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's like, I think no, it's, like the majority no, of I think it it's, is. Like the majority of the journalists are in pocket. Yeah, I don't think, like, I think the Daily Prophet is a separate institution which is not owned or controlled by the Ministry of Magic any more so than any institution is controlled by the Ministry of Magic in terms of keeping secrets and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I think it is very much like, and this is a very Australian-specific example, sorry to our international audiences, it is like the fact that Rupert Murdoch, who Mm -hmm. is a very rich man in Australia who really, really supports uh, our right-wing government, which is called the Liberal Government, he supports them and he owns basically 
all of the media in Australia. <laughs> he owns like a ton of the newspapers, a ton of TV channels, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. All of the Murdoch media empire is incredibly pro the Liberal government and incredi- incredibly anti the Labour government, which is our left-wing government. Mm-hmm. Just because he owns them and he can... <laughs> fucking print whatever he wants basically (laughs) but it's not literally owned by that government it just is very 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 supportive of the right-wing government and i think that i think it's like that the daily prophet i can definitely agree with that and i think it also adds up with what we know about wizarding society and how there's no critical thinking skills where it's just like it makes sense that the most prominent paper is just following what the government of the day is saying right (laughs) like they don't really have much uh going on up there (laughs) yeah I don't know who owns the Daily Prophet, if it is even owned by one person or if it's like a, I don't know, a business, I guess, that's got a bunch of shareholders in it. Mm. But I think it's just, yeah, very influenced by the ministry, mm-hmm. much like I would say much of our press is influenced by the government. <laughs> Lastly, But yeah, it's not owned by it. Yeah. Lastly, I just have a small point here on internationalism. So as you've mentioned, the international statute of secrecy, and that's basically embedded in everything that the ministry does. Um so many of their laws stem from upholding the international statute of secrecy so it's a very important aspect of wizarding lawful society there's mm-hmm. not much that we see about international trade the main form of international cooperation is sports so quidditch and the tribe is a fucking tournament um, <laughs> and yeah basically there's not much to do with international trade um i mean like the international trade briefly that we do see in the diplomacy we see briefly in the fourth book seems pretty grim yeah. to be honest um so, I mean, that just might be a UK thing. I don't know what other countries mm-hmm. are like. Um, but yeah, that's all that I have really here on internationalism. Like I said, there's no universal declaration of human rights. Yeah, it so, definitely doesn't seem like those um, exist. That's it. <laughs> and that yes, would make that's, sense that's because universal declaration of human rights, if I'm remembering correctly, which I think I am, definitely came around after the wizarding world split from the muggle world. Yeah, it was um, post-World War II. Yeah, I thought it was post-World War II, but I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if it was World War II or World War One. <laughs> so we can assume up to a certain point, wizarding and muggle worlds and governments and laws were all intermingled together and that they split off and went in their own directions. So at some point, the muggle... Not at some point. After World War II, the muggles were like, we need to actually like write down what human rights are and all agree on it and enforce it. But the wizards yeah. just never did that. That never happened for them. No. They're still in the Middle yeah. Ages. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about how a lawful society could possibly Yes. <laughs> so this is the thing that I, that I and you, both of us, keep coming back to. How does it work? How does it work? At first, I was mm. thinking, like, well, for the only reason that society works at all, the only reason society is possible is because most people are happy to go along with the rules of society and do what's best for other people. But the social contract, we all, not we all, most of us, most of the time agree to follow the social contract because it's what's best for everyone. Yes. But then I was thinking about mask mandates Mm. and the fact that- Yeah, it's really um, throwing a spanner on the works, eh? (laughs) The mildest fucking thing, wear a goddamn mask- was so hard for so many people, even though it was objectively the best thing to do for everyone. And then I'm like, okay, so many people wouldn't wear masks and so many people broke quarantine because it was inconvenient. Was that actually the majority of people or was that a very, very loud minority? 
And I like to think it was a loud minority. I like to think that as well. I just don't know. I don't have the stats on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So another thing I was thinking is, look, everyone has access to kitchen knives, but we don't all live in terror of being stabbed to death constantly. So why aren't we all murdering each other? Hmm. And then I was like, okay, but if we extend that out from kitchen knives to gun violence, mm. the, there is not a lot of gun violence in Australia because we don't have access to guns. There is yes. far more gun violence in America because they do have access to guns. Yes. So in terms of like violence in the population, wands, everybody has access to wands. So why aren't they all fighting and dueling each other all the time? That's a good point. Um, there's obviously a lot of nuance to that, but I think if we're comparing like, you know, knives and guns and Australia mm-hmm. and America, there's another big difference with Australia and America. And I'm sorry to go on a, uh, Americans must hear this shit all the time on the internet. So I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, sorry. But like, you know, there's lots of things going on in America. There's, um, you know, mass poverty. There's, mm. uh, like, it's a very different situation to the quality of life we have here in Australia. I'll just put it simply. Everyone knows what yeah. we're talking about. And so also, that's like... another reason why there's people killing each other with guns all the time and mass shootings. It's yeah. a product of the environment that they're in and the culture, the toxic masculinity, the evangelicalism. It's all there. The gang's yeah. all here. So I think the wizarding world has the benefit of the fact that, yes, there is inequality. You know, the Weasleys are poor, the Malfoys are rich. It's The gang's all there, but... <sighs> Is the inequality so bad <laughs> that your average Joe is going to snap and murder some people with his wand? I don't think it is for the average person. For the average wizard, we know that for yeah, the average no. goblin, yes, because that's no, why the goblin rebellion. Yeah, that's what I'm happening. saying. Average, yeah, average yeah. Joe, not not your fringe of society, not your squibs, house elves, goblins, etc. Yeah, and we are only talking about wizards here because yeah. it's a separate topic to be talking about goblins and everyone else at the same time. We're trying to figure out how human society functions. (laughs) The fact that we also have to bring other species into here is crazy as well. Buckbeak gets sentenced to death, and that's fine because he's a magical beast. Much like putting a dog down. Centaurs are also classified as magical beasts. That's a whole other fucking issue. (laughs) That was their choice. (laughs) Yeah, it was their choice. But does that mean that they can be sentenced to death? Like, I think so, yeah. (laughs) I think the centaurs still have the death penalty and wizards don't. That's just an effect of the legal system. A very dark and interesting day to see what would happen if a centaur was sentenced to death by execution. Yeah, um, I think <laughs> because they would have trouble enforcing that. Oh, very much so. And I think yeah. it would probably, it fucking wouldn't happen. Because as soon as wizards tried to do anything about it, it'd be combat. Like, mm-hmm. dead ass. So, yeah. So in case I haven't like fully explained myself here, because I've kind of just started rambling about different things. Yeah. This section of my notes gets rambly because I was just trying to figure it out in my own brain. What I'm talking about is, like, why are normal, average, everyday wizarding citizens following the law? Why aren't they just taking their wands and their magic power and doing whatever the fuck they want, irrespective of the law, because they have power in terms of magic? Yes. That's what I'm trying to figure out. This is why I'm no, talking yeah, about no. knives and guns and blah. I didn't, I didn't, I've realized <laughs> I didn't do a thesis statement at the beginning, <laughs> so I'm back there. No, 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 no. No, I know exactly what you mean. I think there's a few reasons why... Um, why they're not just snapping and doing whatever they want. Um, mm-hmm. One of the reasons is that the majority of the wizarding population is dumb. And I yeah. say this quite simply. <laughs> and like, that's why there's people like Rita Skeeter and Lockhart who are like, 
such exceptional like ex- examples because they twist the society and twist the laws to their own advantage and it's seen as so villainous and so mm-hmm. crafty and creative of them it's like really they're just doing something that anyone could think of you would yeah. think but apparently not wizards are kind of dumb they're not really given much critical thinking skills throughout their educational system so they don't really have the imagination to exploit the society to their advantage unless they're wealthy and already powerful by birth. Mm-hmm. So it's a rare person that would that would like do as you say and just do what they want, you know? Yeah. What Rita Skeeter and Lockhart both did is identify a weakness in the system and then exploit it. Yeah. So basically people don't commit crimes that they don't think that they can get away with. Mm-hmm. Anyone who commits a crime thinks that they have enough, I don't know, privilege, intelligence, strength. They think they're just quick enough or whatever, good enough mm. to get away with this. And I'm, I'm putting myself in this category. Hey, listeners, don't <laughs> tell anyone, but I pirate a shitload of media because I think I can get away with it. God, <laughs> I, I just, I straight up don't think I'm going to get caught, even though I know it's illegal. You wouldn't steal a handbag. Yeah, I'd fucking you download steal one, a car. Though. I download a shit ton of stuff just because it's very easy and I don't think I'm going to get caught and I don't think I'll ever face any consequences for it. And if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. I mean, this is kind of dumb because doing this, you could face consequences for yeah, it. Yeah, well, don't tell Maybe anyone. you're not as good as you think you are. <laughs> hey, I specifically said, listeners, don't tell anyone. <laughs> no one should be listening to this podcast if they don't care about my personal well-being. Don't tell Social anyone. Contract. <laughs> Hey, this is just between us, friends. <laughs> Parasocial relationships, got to exploit them. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. So from that, I would have to assume that the reason why people don't, you know, wave a magic wand and break into each other's houses and take their stuff or whatever is because they don't think that they're going to get away with it. Yes. And There's that aspect, yeah. Yeah. This is where I was coming back to, like, knives and guns. And this doesn't quite work because... People don't commit acts of violence usually, with the exception of serial killers. People don't commit acts of violence just because they fucking want to. It's usually to achieve some sort of other goal. You might commit an act of violence while mugging someone, but the goal is to get their money, not to attack them. Exactly. Yeah. But I was coming back to something that I was told in high school by a teacher, which is a fucked thing. (laughs) But uh, there was apparently, and I cannot reference the specific study because I'm pulling this from the mouth of my high school teacher. There was a study which was done on serial rapists who they were basically shown like footage of crowds and told to pick their targets out of the crowd. And then they had to justify why they picked their targets. I've actually heard of this. Yeah. I think this is true. It's just weird that I was told this as like 15 by a teacher. Yeah. Something that never, ever happened was they never targeted women or people who were carrying umbrellas. And the reason why is because an umbrella is a weapon. So you Hmm. don't target people who could fight back basically. You don't target somebody that you think might be a threat to you. So in the wizarding world, anyone is basically holding a weapon at any point. Like you might, they might not be a trained fighter or whatever, but they might. Like the reason why you don't mug somebody in the street is because they might have the equivalent of a fucking, I was trying to think of a good weapon, but I can't, a really sharp umbrella in their pocket. (laughs) Nice. Pace. Yes, thank you. Yeah, they might have the equivalent of pepper spray on them at all times, and you just don't want to fuck around with that. Yeah, I mean, 
Yes. So, and I think that does explain, like, the kind of crimes, the kind of stuff that we hear about that goes on in the Wizarding World seems kind of wacky, you know? Mm-hmm. It'll be the sort of thing, like, flying under the influence and refusing yeah. to wear muggle clothes in a muggle setting and things mm-hmm. like that. Like, and I know that's because it's, like, the sanitization of a children's series, but it could also be, to your point, everyone has an umbrella. Like, yeah. It's harder to get away with a crime, which makes it scarier because when you're being targeted for a crime, <laughs> it's by someone who thinks they can get away with it in a magical setting. Mm-hmm. So that's frightening. But yeah. like, there's also the deterrent factor where it's like, as we talked about, a lot of people don't think they can get away with it because magic is a double-edged sword, right? Like you can use magic to do anything, but you can also be tracked with magic <laughs> to yeah. find out what you did in ways that are quite successful. So yeah, it's the classic muggle prime minister being like, but you've got magic. Why don't you just fix it? And they're like, well, because they also have magic. Yeah. So everything's an arms race. Everything has a counter and then a counter to that counter. So I'm mostly focusing on violent crimes here, but this extrapolates out into everything. Yeah. Wizarding society is basically a giant Mexican standoff. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to pull from another example here because basically I just watched True Blood. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So True Blood, a vampire series. I'm going to really, really briefly explain it in case you haven't seen it. Basically, vampires it's just... Vampires are out of the closet. Vampires exist, vampires blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Everyone knows vampires. They were... They've always been here. They existed in secret, but they've just come out of the closet because there's now fake blood they can drink, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. Yes. The important thing, in the early series, no humans knew about vampires. They've only just announced themselves. So they are incredibly overpowered compared to a regular human. They're very yeah. fast, they're very strong, they can hypnotize people, and humans are pretty much defenseless. A few seasons in, the entire situation has completely changed. Suddenly, police are being issued wooden bullets that kill vampires as standard issue. You can buy automatic aerosol silver dispensers to install on your doorways, so vampires nice. blind themselves if they try and get into your house. Yeah, yeah. Pharmacies now sell contact lenses that stop vampires from being able to hypnotize you. So, like... We discovered these insane supernatural threats in the community, and then we just very, very quickly created created a counter to take away all their magic powers and then just work them into our everyday lives and society continued as normal. Yes. So I think that, like, for the Wizarding World, like, I don't think people have locks on their doors because Alahomora exists, which is a spell that an 11-year-old knows. So I think they just don't use regular locks. They Everything's done with a magical lock that has to be opened by a magical key that only you know. Yeah, and I think or that ev- rather than putting a magical lock on it, you just curse everything that you own. So if someone touches it, they burn and yeah, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. You know, yeah. I think everybody knows like enough basic occlumency to be able to defend themselves. The same as everyone puts on warm clothes when it's cold outside. Like it's just part of being a human in the world. Is you do this basic shit to deal mm-hmm. with the fact that everyone around you has also got their own magical powers. Yeah. Yeah, it's like being a woman. <laughs> yeah, like being a woman. But... Or, or someone who's feminine pa- passing, like, yeah. existing in society. Um, but then, like, like we were talking about this in a wizarding context. It really goes to show, like, this is why the people on the fringes of society, the goblins, the elves, the centaurs, the people that don't have wands and don't have the power, why it's so easy and a part of the society to just exploit them or yeah. degrade them and oppress them because... Everyone has an umbrella except for these fringe parts of the society. (laughs) Yeah. It's really like, 
a certain class of people all have an umbrella and the yeah. other class of people don't and that class gets exploited and trod on. Yeah. And it's legitimized that exploitation. Yeah. Because they don't have their umbrellas. Because they're not good enough to have umbrellas. Yeah, they don't deserve umbrellas. Mm. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So another possible explanation for why society doesn't crumble is, like, maybe all of the really, really powerful and really, really dangerous magic is something that requires a certain amount of training or power to use. And that's certainly true. Uh, is it true, though? Like, Hermione's casting Obliviate at age 17. True. She is very. She is the brightest witch of her age, though. She is the brightest witch of her age, and she does study exceptionally well, and she has specifically yeah. studied, like, things that would help her fight dark wizards, because that's what she's doing. I don't think doing. your average C average person could cast Obliviate at whim, or yeah. successfully. They might be able to do it a bit, but someone would remember the next day and be like, hey! Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I remember now! <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Harry gets Harry gets the beginning of the seventh book never having cast any kind of healing spell in his life. Yeah, grim. Like, there's whole areas of magic that I think you just wouldn't know if you didn't specialise in them. And that's in the books as well. When Fred and George create those shield hats and, like, the mm-hmm. Ministry of Magic orders hundreds of them because so many people in the Ministry don't know how to cast a proper shield spell because they're not trained fighters. They're, like, mm-hmm. office workers. <laughs> yeah yeah like how many people in your office know self-defense yeah it's why 95 percent of the society can't fucking pack it like you know do domestic household charms unless that's their full-time job like mrs weasley because Mm. slavery exists (laughs) like like yeah they can so simply fucking flick their wrist and clean their own kitchen but no let's fucking enslave an entire race Mm -hmm. for fuck's sake also the fact that there's books of spells as well yeah, yeah. So I've always thought this was the case. I think that your average witch or wizard has like maybe a dozen spells that they use every single day that are their go-to spells. And then they have maybe another two dozen spells that they know and they don't use every day, but they use them fairly often. And yeah. then they have all the spells that they remember from school, but they haven't cast in years and years and years. And they don't really use them at all, but they could if they had to. Yeah, they can then... them up and practice them and be like, oh yeah, I remember all this. I yeah. This pineapple dance now. So, yeah, it might be like, you know, I haven't made a pineapple dance since I was 13, but I know the theory behind it and I reckon I can do it and I just have to practice a bit and I'll get it. Yeah. But like for most people, not for most people. So say you've got a house elf or whatever, you've never cast any kind of domestic spell in your life. Then your house elf dies. And before you can get a new one, you have to clean your own shit. You go out to the store and you buy a book of cleaning magic and you like learning recipes you just pull out the spells that you need and cast them and then move on with your day and then never cast them again in your life because you don't need to people you they learn and know the magic that they need so not everybody is going to be like a harry potter who knows a shitload of combat magic because not everyone's getting in fights all the time yeah exactly Hmm. they got cantrips (laughs) cantrips yeah (laughs) yeah Basically, after going through all of this information about how the society in Harry Potter functions and running through these various thought experiments on, like, why certain things work the way they do and why certain things don't work, blah, 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 I came to the conclusion that how a lawful magical society functions is only possible if you assume that everyone in the society either chooses to go along with the rules of the society most of the time or else is weak enough that they cannot sufficiently disrupt the normal functioning of society without being stopped by the systems of power in place to keep order. 
mm-hmm. people either follow the law or they're too weak to get away with breaking the law effectively mm-hmm. and then the cases where you have people who won't play along and can't be stopped normal societal function breaks down because that's yeah. what we see happen in the series every now and then you get a voldemort who yeah, exactly. doesn't want to play with by the rules and is too powerful to be stopped and that leads to straight up all out war mm-hmm. yeah yeah so like there there are certain people who come along every now and then who are so powerful that basically you can't you can't have a functional magical society you can't have a lawful magical society while they exist and while they're doing whatever the fuck they want but the way that society deals with them is it doesn't it just breaks down and basically everybody has to rally together and fight and kill them until they go away and then we can rebuild society and go back to normal yep (laughs) it really makes you think (laughs) yeah Hmm. that's really fucked (laughs) i mean if you think back to like throughout history checks out like that's how it was back in the days if like if you had someone who was strong enough or wealthy enough or had a big enough army they could disrupt the course of an entire kingdom for decades Mm. (laughs) until they were killed or died of disease or something yeah (laughs) like how how it was in the way of kings you know (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be a big pull because I don't know a lot about history. But I guess these people are like your Alexander the Greats or your Genghis Khans who are like, I'm actually just like fucking so much stronger than anybody else and I'm just going to take over and get a big army and like, this is my country now. And everyone's like, fuck, I guess you're right. Yeah, well, fuck. (laughs) Sorry. I guess. And so when it comes to like a person like a Voldemort or even a Dumbledore I would say there's no like well how does lawful magical society function with these people it's like it just doesn't they just do whatever the hell they want and if you're a Dumbledore you do whatever the hell you want while adhering to enough of the social order that things don't break down and if you're a Voldemort you don't give a shit about the social order and the rest of the world either cops it or they stop you (laughs) It's also easier to do it for such a small population. Like wizards, like you said, are like 1% of the population of the UK, maybe mm. less. Like, not a big community. <laughs> Quite easy to take over, <laughs> as we've discussed yeah. before. <laughs> uh, 1% of the population is a lot still. Yeah, it's still a lot. Like, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's you know, it's not much yeah. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> I, think, I think Australia is 1% of the global population. <laughs> 25 mil that's not too bad yeah my math is maybe bad there (laughs) no no i think that is right i think i've said that before one percent because it's like the same amount of asexuals in the world yeah i think i've seen like stats that's like things that are one percent of the population australia redheads trans people like all of these things are one percent i think trans people are more but anyway yeah these Um, are old old stats yeah yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, my, my closing points were basically about, like, basically the entire system functions the way it is because it's meant to be kept secret. And so that's why mm. the laws are so harshly enforced and the laws are created by, like, subject matter experts instead of by, like, an overriding Senate. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's a very uneven way of doing things but it's understandable if the ultimate goal is secrecy so 
it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, the ult, the ult, yeah. So coming back to what you first said, the ultimate goal of the Wizarding Society is not to create a just society. It is to create a secret society. Mm-hmm. It's not actually about, like, the best possible world. It's about, like, we do whatever it takes to keep everything secret from the Muggles. <laughs> Which is yep. so fascinating. Like, it's so interesting, all of the implications of that. Yeah. And also the fact that, once again, that's the social contract. The idea that we keep ourselves secret from muggles, that is a social contract. And some motherfucker like Voldemort coming along and just being like, I don't care, I do whatever I want, has the potential to implode that at any given moment. That could happen anywhere in the world at any time. Mm-hmm. God, the International Confederation of Wizards must, like, <laughs> freak out trying to keep everything secret all the time. Yeah. I mean, good thing they have Dumbledore leading them. <laughs> He's also good thing they have Dumbledore the leading fucking them. judge, jury, and executioner of the UK, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we didn't come back to that. It's so wild. <laughs> Did Dumbledore pass the fucking decree that Buckbeak was going to be executed? What the fuck was he doing? Well... <laughs> Like he must stop because he's the head of the Whiskermart. He definitely did that just to be like, <laughs> these kids are going to solve this. This will be another little test for them. Yeah, <laughs> because there's a whole actually. <laughs> yeah, let's let's unpack that for a second. I'm sorry, it seemed like the episode had come to its natural conclusion, but now we have to go back. <laughs> there is a whole storyline where Buckbeak is going to be on trial. First of all, great that an animal can be put on trial, like and room. then. And, like, Hagrid has to, like, prepare a defense and pull up precedent from previous cases. So, like, he basically has to become a lawyer and go to court and defend Buckbeak from what must be Dumbledore. Dumbledore just didn't attend. He just, it was, like, a smaller hearing, you know? Yeah, a smaller hearing with less people. (laughs) But also, like, okay. So, my cat scratches somebody and the local council is like, you have to go to court to defend your cat. (laughs) And also... I know, like, the head judge in my state, who's my best friend. He's your dad. He's my dad. (laughs) And I'm like, hey, dad, is there anything you can do to stop my cat from being put down? And he's like, no, I'm busy that day. No, he's, like, seen. He doesn't even respond. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, actually, you're not going to... It's going to be a smaller court. Like, I personally will not be in court that day. You're on your own. Get this 12-year-old to help you. (laughs) But you are the Senate, Dad. You are the Senate. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but like, couldn't you just show up to court that day and be like, no, this cat's free to go? No, yeah. I can't. Sorry. Scene. <laughs> You're on your own. <laughs> a truly insane situation. Dumbledore was too busy being at the International Confederation of Wizards being like, mm, I think we should send more people into Tibet to deal with these yetis because <laughs> that's something we have the power to do. Oh, God. It really makes you think. <laughs> it really makes you think. <laughs> well, I've been Gem, and uh, yeah, I mean, if I was living in a magical society, I think I'd break the law, and then if I got caught, I'd just move to a different country. <laughs> 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 makes sense to me. <laughs> I've been Rhea, and I had a whole section here on how it makes no sense that you require a license to be able to apparate, but then people can still apparate without a license until I remembered that people can drive without a license. They just get in trouble <laughs> if they get caught. Then I was like, oh, that's right. Laws actually don't 
Like, you can just yeah, choose yeah, yeah. to disobey them if you want to. <laughs> yeah. It's all about whether you get caught or not. That's the real the law. End. Whether or not you get caught. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the real law is if there's any cops around. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you want to support us or get in touch, the links to our social media and Patreon are in the show notes. Please feel free to send us so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the middle of the sea just to avoid them. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.